Welcome to this week's edition of Liberty Through the Word with Senior Pastor Mark Eland of Liberty Christian Fellowship of Beloit, Wisconsin. The Bible says that where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. That is to say that the Word of God provides us with physical, moral, and spiritual freedom. Let's tune our hearts and listen to Assistant Pastor Mark Testerman as together we experience liberty through the Word. The book of Luke chapter 10, and we're going to begin at verse 25. Name of the message, Dressing the Wounds. And we're talking about the parable of the Good Samaritan. Beginning at verse 25 from the New International Version. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law? He replied, how do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, And who is my neighbor? In reply, Jesus said, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he fell into the hands of robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So to a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But... But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, took him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day, he took out two silver coins and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers. The expert in the law replied, The one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, Go and do likewise. And I want you to go back to verse 25. On one occasion, the Bible says, An expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he said, What must I do to inherit eternal life? Now I think that's a good question. What must I do to inherit eternal life? Life is what this man asked. But I want you to know something. Salvation brings freedom to your spirit. It settles the issue of where you're going. And it brings and ushers in that assurance that I can say, I know when I leave this world I'm going to heaven. And I think this man here was genuinely looking for the answer to that question. And so Jesus says, what is written in the law? And I want you to know something. The law has never saved anybody. It's always been by faith. Abraham was not the father of the law. He was the father of faith. It's always been by faith. How do you read it? And then he answered, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind. That's a lot of love, isn't it? Amen. That's a lot of love. But then he says, And love your neighbor as yourself. This man had the right answers. But he lacked application. And the Bible says that faith without works, or the works is the corresponding action, is simply dead faith. Jesus said, you have answered correctly. Do this and you will live. Now verse 29. The Bible says, but he wanted to justify himself. So he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? And I began to look at that verse, and God quickened it in my heart where it says, And he wanted to justify himself. 
You know what it means to justify yourself? He wanted to defend himself. He can feel the pressure. He just realizes there's an expert standing before him uh, that's starting to tap into an area that he's uncomfortable with. And so he immediately moves to the justification stage. And I want you to hear me on this now. Like I said, justify means to defend yourself. And this is, defend is where we get the word defensive. You know, people get defensive about certain things. The freer we get in our soul, in our mind, in our emotional state, in our will, oh, the freer we get there, the less defensive we're going to be. But he wanted to justify himself. I can tell you right there, he needed to start dressing some wounds. I believe God dropped five things in my heart, which are ways that we try to justify ourselves all the time. Hear them and see if this is an area that troubles you. The first area that we are constantly trying to justify ourselves is in our articulation. Articulation means to express something. It means your words. You articulate. You speak. We're constantly going back and saying, oh, I'm sorry I said that. Oh, did I really say that? We're constantly trying to justify. Well, you know, they needed to hear that. We're constantly trying to justify the things that we've said. Articulation. When we find ourselves in situations where we're constantly trying to justify ourselves, there's a wound present. I'm trying to drive this point home into our hearts so that, that we can be free in our soul. Another way we continue to justify ourselves is in our actions. Oh, did I really? do? That's the things you do. We're always trying to justify ourselves in our actions. Another way we try to justify ourselves all the time is in our addictions. Uh-oh, hello. In our addictions. Well, brother, if, only, if you only knew. See, I need cigarettes. They curb my appetite. They make me feel better. They help me maintain my weight. I can, you can hear all the excuses. And we're always justifying our addictions. Well, brother, you don't understand. I don't have a wife. So I think it's okay to get on the internet and look at pornography. No, it's not. Well, brother, you don't understand. I, I think a little gambling's okay. But I tell you, we justify our addictions. What you've got is an addiction. And if it's not of God, then we need a healing in that area of our life. Amen. Another thing that we try to justify is our affection. Oh, we want to justify why we can love this brother over here. We have a hard time loving this one. But we're, we're constantly justifying why I can't love this man or this woman. There's a Greek word for that, and it's called baloney. I know some people are hard to like, but our actions prove that we don't even love them. But he wanted to justify not someone else, not God's word. He wanted to justify himself. And finally, another way we try to justify ourselves is in our absence. <laughs> Oh, you know, I like, I, you know, I woke up late today, so I can't make it to church. We want to always justify why we can't be here or there. Listen, what you've got is a self-control problem. Oh, you know, brother, I wanted to come to church today, but all my stuff, my britches was wrinkled. Always trying to justify why we can't be somewhere. And you've got to hear how this begins to affect us. And it doesn't just affect you or me, it affects all of us. One part of the body hurts, the whole body hurts with it. And this man right here was trying to justify himself. 
I thought about today as I was just thinking about that. With Jesus, before Pilate, and Caiaphas and all those, there were times the Bible says he was silent before his shearers. You know why? Because had he opened his mouth, he'd have talked him right out of the crucifixion. That's how powerful the word of God is. I mean, there was a time where the soldiers were sent to get Jesus. Not in the Garden of Gethsemane, but there was a time. And they come up on Jesus listening to him preach and teach. Oh, they just kind of pulled up a chair and said, boy, it's some good stuff. Get some popcorn here, guys. This is good stuff. Them boys got done, probably gave a little clap, gave a little offering, and went back to their leader. And they said, where's the man? Where's Jesus? <gasps> oh, we never heard a guy talk like that. You don't always have to open your mouth and justify yourself. If you feel like you always do, hear me now. There's a big, big wound in there somewhere that says, I've always got to look right. I've always got to be right. Everybody's got to know the details. You don't always have to feel that way. Amen. Verse 30. Now this is after the man has already tried to justify himself. In reply, Jesus said, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he fell into the hands of robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. Here's a man that's probably on a very specific mission. I believe he woke up and he had intentions to do something that day. He's making that trip for some reason. But as he was making the plans to do this, I want you to know and hear me now, there was an enemy down the road that was awakened too. And he had a plan for that man's life. He had a mission for that man's life. The same enemy back then is the same enemy today. I don't believe this man was walking along being cocky. But I believe he was probably minding his own business. Walking along, nice sunny day perhaps, whistling, having a good time. But the devil spoke into the ears of some men, some sinners. And he interrupted this man's plans for the day. And as I began to look at that scripture and think about it, here's what I really felt the Lord communicate to my heart. I felt the Lord say, Mark, woundedness is not something you ask for all the time. In other words, every time we get wounded, it's not because you ask for it. And that's important to know when God's trying to communicate healing to our hearts. One out of every four women today has been raped somewhere in their life, been molested. Surely one out of four didn't ask for it. And most of the time it was when they were a young girl. And that cuts them and scars them deep in their heart. And there are wounded people like this man all throughout the body of Christ. Even though it's not your fault, not my fault, nonetheless we are casualties of Satan's warfare against our soul. There have been people that have been used, abused, bruised, and refused. Think about it one time. Used, taken advantage of bruised, beaten up on, refused, neglected. And <laughs> it leaves them confused, doesn't it? Amen. God, what do I do about this? I want you to know something. That doesn't come out with salvation. You know it too. You know that that doesn't come out with salvation, don't you? I'm not saying that God doesn't extract some things when we become born again. <laughs> we do become new creatures in Christ. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. I want you to know something. We're far from being complete in our heart in our soul, in our emotions. This man, the Bible says, fell into, or in the King James, I think it says, fell among, thieves. What it means in the Greek here when it says he fell into, it means in the Greek he was surrounded by. Isn't that the way it feels sometimes? No matter which direction you turn, you've got an enemy. No matter which, you've got a pain, you've got a hurt, you've got a problem. This man was surrounded 
by robbers. He fell into, meaning he was surrounded by robbers. Then the Bible says, they stripped him of his clothes. The word strip means to unclothe. It means to take off. It means to expose. It means to shame a man. And there's a strange interpretation for strip. It means to become lower as in level, as in value and rank. And you've heard of that. You've seen it in the movies where they strip a man of his badge and demote him to cross patrol or something. This man was stripped. That's what Satan wants to do. He wants to strip us as much as he can in rank, at least in our understanding, in our authority, in the levels that we're at in life, and especially in our values. If he can just strip you in that area and say, you don't have any value, this man was stripped. And today's application is just simply that, where we begin to say, I don't have a whole lot of value. I don't have a whole lot of authority. Yes, you do. Yes, we do. We've got plenty of it. There's no shortage of it. The Bible says he was stripped of his clothing. <laughs> that is to say his covering. You need a covering. I need a covering. He was stripped of his covering, his protection, and his shelter. And I just felt the Lord speak to me. Three things happened to this man. Number one, he was ambushed. He was walking along, and when he least expected it, there were the robbers. He was ambushed. Number two, he was assaulted. He was beat upon. And listen, I believe these, men's cr these men crushed bones on this man. I don't believe they took a switch to his legs. I believe they crushed some bones on this guy. The Bible says he was half dead. So he was ambushed and he was assaulted. And then he was abandoned. The Bible says they left him half dead. And think about that. Those are three of the greatest wounds a man and a woman can experience. When you're ambushed in life, when you don't expect things that are going to happen to you, you don't expect this person in the family to molest you. You don't expect this person to, to desert you or to beat you. You don't expect that loving husband who was at the altar with you three weeks before saying, I love you, all of a sudden to slap you across the face. That's an ambush. And it wounds us deep in our hearts. That's why God said in Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23, above all else, guard your heart. For it is the wellspring of life. Guard your heart. I'm telling you what, Satan wants to ambush your heart. The other thing he wants to do is he wants to assault us because that's where we really get wounded in life. When we get assaulted, when we get beat up on. Nobody likes to get beat up on. My friend, I want you to know something. There's probably not a greater wound than to be abandoned. That's a wound in your heart. To be neglected. When daddy was supposed to be there for you. And daddy was off in the tavern drinking. When mama was supposed to be there for you, but she was running around doing drugs or in prostitution, that's abandonment. And that cuts a deep, 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 deep wound in our hearts. My friend, listen, you could name hundreds of them, but there's three of them right there. He fell into the hands. He was surrounded by these men. He was stripped of his clothing and he was beaten and left half dead. But I thought about this when the Bible says he was left for half dead. Well, which half of him was dead? Was it the left half? Was it the right half? <laughs> was it from the waist up? Was it from the waist down? The Bible says he was half dead. I'm being a little facetious here, but seriously, I felt the Lord speaking in my heart and say, Mark, my people are walking around half dead. If you're going to be half dead of anything, be half dead to sin. Be half dead to the flesh. Like the Apostle Paul said, I die daily. But I believe the Lord spoke in my heart and said, Mark, my people are walking around half dead. 
And I want you to know something about dead things. Dead things do not reproduce. Dead things do not grow. Dead things do not talk. Dead things do not praise and dead things do not sing. Dead things don't move. You go down to a funeral parlor next time you have a funeral one time. And you just take you an old hat pin with you or something. You just take one of those with you to the funeral parlor one time. When nobody's looking, you walk up and stick that corpse. I guarantee you that corpse is not going to move. That man is not going to, or that woman is not going to lift up their face and go, that hurt. And I believe that's really the seriousness about living in woundedness. This man was wounded. Yes, he was wounded in his body. But listen, there's a deeper woundedness when we get wounded in our heart. Listen, when you get wounded in your body, you can put band-aids on and antiseptics and all these different things. And it will take care of it at some point in time. Your body takes over. But when you get wounded in your heart, it doesn't work that way. There's a different process to getting healed and whole. Now, verse 31. The Bible says a priest happened to be going down the same road. And when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. That is a really important scripture there. I want you to hear me now. The Bible says a priest. Now, he would have been coming from the temple, no doubt. The sanctuary somewhere or on his way there. But he's walking by and he sees that man over there laying there. The Bible says he's half dead, so he is moving, no doubt. He's groaning. And the Bible says the priest passed by on the other side. I want you to know something. That's never the will of God. That's not the love of God to pass by on the other side when we see the need. The priest is a picture of the pastor. And the pastor saw this man and he passed by on the other side. Why did he pass by? Well, listen, we could get into the scriptures and perhaps prove why he passed by. But I want you to hear today's application of why he passed by. He didn't know what to do with the man. You're such a mess. I might get some of your blood on my robe. God forbid. You look like a lot of work. I'm not sure exactly what I'm supposed to do with you. And so I tell you what I'm going to do. I'm just going to pretend like I don't see you. I'm going to pass by on the other side. And I believe that he passed by on a great opportunity. If God could have used the priest, it would have changed this whole world. Man of religion. The pastor passed by. And I'm not being critical here, but I'm just saying. The woundedness that we're talking about, most people don't know how to get it out. I'm no expert at getting it out. I'm trying to learn. Verse 32 now. So too a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. The Levite did the same thing, heading to the temple himself. The Levite, here's a brother. Now listen, they're all Jews. The Levite, you know who the Levite is? The assistant pastor. The Levites assisted the priests in the sanctuary. They were subordinate to the priest. It was their job to help the priest and do all these tasks around the sanctuary. The Levite is a picture of the assistant pastor of the church today. And they're looking at people like that and going, I, I don't know what to do either. I'm going to pass by too. It's a perfect picture of that. And I just again heard the Lord say, Mark, my people have been passing by the wounded people for an awful long time. I want my people to shine. I don't want them walking around like they're half dead. No energy, lethargic, 
No enthusiasm. Sleeping on whatever it may be. God said, I don't want my people to walk like that. That's half dead. You can't tell them apart from the world. But I want my people to be walking in joy and peace in their heart. Oh, and forgiveness and love that we're talking about that covers a multitude of sins. God wants to do that. And he's proven it through these scriptures. Then the Bible says in verse 33, But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds. There's a woundedness. He bandaged his wounds, pouring in oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, took him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he took out the two silver coins and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return. <laughs> oh, it's not if I return, but oh, when I return. I want you to know something. That's the message Jesus is saying today. It's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when I return. He said, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. What did this Samaritan do for this man? What did he do that the Levite missed out on? What did he do that the priest missed? First of all, this Samaritan provided a tenderness. Now let that just settle in your heart and leave it there. He provided a tenderness, and that's the thing. Listen, you want to attract people to you? Have a tenderness about you. Where the love of God can be channeled through you. Have a tenderness about you. This man had a tenderness about him. He knelt down beside this man. And I imagine he picked up his head and began to caress his hair and began to wipe the blood from his face. He had a tenderness about him. The second thing he had is he provided treatment. The Bible very clearly says he bandaged this man's wounds. There ought to be a word that's rising up in our hearts, whether we're talking about woundedness or a whole different subject. Could be money, could be your, about marriage, it could be about health, it could be about a lot of different things. But there ought to be a word that begins to rise in our heart, like in this man here, because that word becomes the treatment. Not everybody's laying around needing to be bandaged up. But in their soul, if you just listen to the words they're speaking, you can tell they need some treatment. And all they need is some understanding, perhaps. Maybe they need some encouragement. They need some treatment. He provided tenderness, and then this man provided treatment. But it didn't stop there. This man also provided transportation. This man said, listen, I've got a donkey right here. I'm willing to do some walking. I'm going to lift you up, and I'm going to put you on my donkey. This man provided his transportation. What an awesome God when we think about it. That God was so awesome that day. He provided tenderness. He provided treatment. He provided transportation. My friend, that's not the only thing he provided. He provided his treasure. The Bible says he paid the bill. He paid for that hotel. <laughs> he provided his treasure. I believe there's something we ought to share with everybody. I'm not saying give everybody money that asks for it. God does say use some wisdom. But there's times that we need to be sensitive where God's going to speak on our hearts and say, listen, it's treasure that this person needs. And then I saw one other thing he provided, and that was just simply thoughtfulness. He, he said to that innkeeper, listen, when I come back, if I still owe you some money, he said, look after this man. When I come back, if I still owe you some money, I'll pay it. That's being thoughtful. That's the way God wants us to be. But you see, the thing that hinders all this stuff is woundedness. You see, there's this fight that we want to do these things, 
Oh, but the woundedness begins to rise up in our hearts and says, I can't do it. I want to, but I can't. I'm trying to concentrate on the grace of God, the love of God, the mercy of God, the forgiveness of God, the healing power of God. But all I can think about is my woundedness. All I can think about is my problems I've got. Oh, surely we serve a God that says, no, come out from among that stuff and be whole and healed. But what really got in my heart is what he poured into this man. He poured in oil and wine. What was he doing? He was there to take care of this man's wounds. And he poured into those wounds, those open wounds, oil and wine. You say, well, what does that mean to me? Oil is symbolic of anointing. That's why we call it anointing oil. And God's word is very clear. He said, it is the anointing that destroys the yoke of bondage. It is the anointing. It's the oil. It's the anointing that destroys the yoke of bondage. And that's all woundedness is. It's bondage in our lives. And God said, it's the oil that needs to go into that wound. And you know what that really is for you and me? You have to understand something. If you're set apart by God, you're already anointed. What you need is already on the inside of you and me. It's already there. We don't need to go to the grocery store for oil. We don't need to go look. It's already on the inside. God has already deposited it on the inside. Oil went on the inside of these wounds. And so did wine. When I was thinking about wine, I thought about the scriptures that talked about you don't put new wine into an old wineskin. You know what happens when you do that? The Bible says it will burst. A wineskin was just a goat skin that had hardened. That's all it was. And if you took new wine that had not really fermented yet and you put it into a hardened wineskin, it would begin to gas up and begin to get volatile to where it would bust. There's a lot of people that are wearing an old wineskin. You know what I mean by that? Just an old mentality. It's an old wineskin. That surely what you're talking about, Pastor Mark, can't be right. That's an old wineskin. And if you're trying to put new wine, and wine, new wine, is a picture of revelation. And that's why when you try to teach somebody something that is going to sit there and look at you and go, I'm not going to believe any of this stuff. You're trying to put new wine into an old wineskin. And you know what happens? You'll bust them. The Bible says it will burst. What happens to you? You burst. You have an outburst. Could be anger. Could be a lot of different things. But there's an outburst that comes forth. The old mentality, just give me a few songs. Just give me some old time religion. That's good enough for me. That's a bunch of hogwash. I like the song myself, but that is a bunch of junk. Because you can walk out of the church empty. You can walk out of the church unfulfilled and wounded yet. Listen, we can get in the presence of God. We can get touched. We can go home for a little bit. And oh, but then tomorrow morning's coming. And we still got on the old wineskin. When the Bible says this man was left for half dead, half dead, actually in the Greek, it means he was entirely exhausted. You have come in sometimes from a long, hard day on the job, and you say, oh man, I'm just half dead. That's exactly where that came from, right out of the Word of God. And as long as we keep fighting this fight against our woundedness, we're going to remain entirely exhausted. The Bible says in Isaiah chapter 53, verse 4, Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. 
But listen to verse 5. But he was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities, and the chastisement of our peace was upon him. You don't have to take the beating anymore. I've taken it for you. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities, and the chastisement of our peace was upon him. And then the greatest words in the whole Bible, perhaps, with his stripes, we are healed, the Word of God says. We pray that this Word is ministered to you today in a powerful way. It is our prayer that the body of Christ be whole and healthy to accomplish the last day's work. Liberty Through the Word is a ministry of Liberty Christian Fellowship of Beloit, Wisconsin. If you would like a copy of today's broadcast, we'll send it to you for a love gift of any size. You can contact us at 1525 Liberty Avenue, on the web at libertychristianfellowship.com, or by calling us at 608-365-0866. When you contact us, just mention the date of this broadcast. We thank you and boldly declare that there is liberty through the Word. God bless.